What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, you know that DNVR is a huge supporter of CBD. And as a consumer, you must find the product that works best for you. And our friends over at Green Roads have hooked us up with some incredible products, and we want to share our experience with you. In fact, they have so many products that they've hooked us up with, from CBD gummies to CBD capsules, which help with sleep. They have Sleepy Zs, which really help with sleep. They have Relax Bears. They have CBD bath bombs, CBD soft gel full spectrum oils for all of your needs. They have it all over at Green Roads and they've hooked us up over at DNVR with it. And the reviews have been fantastic. And speaking of reviews, Green Roads has over 30,000 five-star reviews, 30,000 perfect reviews. And if you use the magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase over at Green Road. So whether you want to try the gummies, the sleepy Zs, uh, or some bath bombs with CBD, you can do that over at Green Roads. And make sure to use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Number one for the one and only NBR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs and some of our own staff members at dnvr have taken classes over at msu denver and they say two things one that they build the schedule around you so you don't have to stop your life in order to take a class or graduate you can make that happen over at msu denver and two the professors do a great job at bringing the real world into the classroom so you have the tools that you need to know going into the real world once you graduate so make sure to check them out over at msu denver online my boy mace how are you doing my friend all right a little cool outside but uh it's heating up as uh we get closer to draft day here just uh, the the tone of our our conversations is going to be a lot different in just three weeks than it is right now because just simply because of the fact that we're talking about possibility 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 speculation 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 and then after that we're going to start talking about things that are actually concrete I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh, me, me too. And until then, just like you said, Mace, things are heating up in draft country. And speaking of heating up with the draft, Hotlanta Falcons news coming in this morning, Mace. A pretty big bombshell quote, I guess potential bombshell mm-hmm. quote coming in from Terry Fontenot. Of course, he's the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. He also applied for the Denver Broncos job, but now he's the big man in charge down in Atlanta. Mace, you want to tell us what Terry Fontenot said? 
Yeah, he did an interview with uh, Dave Arch, who is their um, radio color analyst and uh, also works for the team. And this was posted on the Falcons website and their social media channels. And this is what he said about the quarterbacks. And first of all, they, the Falcons, kind of like the Broncos, have been scouring uh, the quarterback pro days. They've had a presence uh, at Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac, Mac Jones, etc. So this is what Terry Fontenot, new Falcons GM, said, quote, we want to, as much as we can, get to them, see them in person, and just take advantage of those exposures because most critical position in the NFL, unquote. That's, that's boilerplate stuff. That's what you expect. Then the money quote, he says, quote, we want to stack good quarterbacks. It's a prime time to do it when you have a player like Matt Ryan, because when you can get the right quarterback, you don't have that pressure to play him right away. So it just opens up so many possibilities. We have to make sure we're evaluating those positions and feel good about where we are there, unquote. But that we want to stack good quarterbacks. <laughs> this, man, sounds like the opposite of the Broncos in recent years, doesn't it? The, the and Broncos this year. 20, this year, recent years, 2018. They sign Case Keenum and they sit back and say, yeah, we're good. And they weren't good. You know, last year, you've got Drew Locke, but there are some decent backup possibilities on the market. No, 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 no. We're, we're going to sign Jeff Driscoll. We're good with Jeff Driscoll. He's all we need back there. <sighs> This is the way you should be thinking. You should be thinking of, ha of having too much. If you have too much of the most important thing in the NFL, the most treasured commodity, which are, are good quarterbacks, if you have too much, you trade the surplus. Or, or That's how you need to be thinking of this. And this is, I mean, I, I put the quote out there on Twitter. I mentioned it yesterday in a different context, I think uh, in response to something that uh, our friend Frank Schwab posted. But You've got to, you know what? It's okay to think about drafting a quarterback, but still, but still having Drew Locke and seeing and having the young guys duke it out. It's it's okay to think in terms of saying, well, yeah, we're gonna maybe even move up for a quarterback, but we still have Drew Locke. And if Drew responds to the competition, responds to the pressure, takes the quantum leap that some believe he can make. I admit I'm a little skeptical, but some believe he can make. If he does that, then you have that good problem where you have two good young quarterbacks and you're having to figure out, you know, which one we move forward with in the next year or two, which one we don't. And it's, oh man, let's, this is, this is how the Broncos need to be thinking. They need to be, mm -hmm. they need to be thinking in terms of stacking good quarterbacks and saying, we've got Drew Locke developing. We feel like he, you know, they've already hung on to him when, uh, there have been chances to move on in the Matt Stafford deal. For example, they declined to make a, a trade that involved Drew Locke going to the Lions. So they've already shown that they they value him to some degree, maybe not to the degree of saying he's the guy. And that's why you're in all these conversations. But they value him to some degree. They value his development to some degree. But you can continue that even if you draft a guy in round one. Yeah, you're over. Some may say, oh, you're overcommitting resources to the quarterback. Until you figure out who the guy is, you can't overcommit resources to the quarterback. It's too important. Yeah, you absolutely can. I'm right there with you, Mace. And one thing that Fontenot says is he just he hits it right on the head before he even goes into the money. He says it's the most critical position in the NFL, and he is spot on 
about that. And so why not just keep investing, keep investing, keep investing until you turn out a Josh Allen. And that's exactly what the Buffalo Bills did. Tyrod Taylor Mace, he wasn't a bottom five quarterback. He was average. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what the Broncos hope to get from a quarterback play this year. And they said, that's not good enough. So they're going to go Josh Allen. We've seen the chiefs. They had Alex Smith. He was above average. He was, you know, maybe a borderline top 10 quarterback. And especially the year that they drafted Patrick Mahomes, he was a top five quarterback and they said no we want even better than that so they traded two first round picks in order to move up to draft Patrick Mahomes you see this where teams say okay we're good but we want to be better or we're bad and we're going to sell the farm so that we can be really good at that position uh and there's so much to unpack from this mm-hmm. and uh, let's start with what this would mean for the Denver Broncos. And first off, I mean, does this mean that the Falcons are going to be taking, uh, you know, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, that they're going to be taking a quarterback at number four? Possibly. Now, there's also the possibility that's a smoke screen uh-huh. that they're, you know, uh, th- this is the disinformation season. Now, that being said, look where Terry Fontenot comes from. He comes from uh, New Orleans, where you look at their depth chart, in in last season they had drew Brees coming toward the end of his career but they had Taysom hill who you know maybe we don't understand sean payton's attraction to but sean payton loves him and the saints clearly love him and then they said let's bring in Jameis winston as well so you looked at that quarterback room and you had you had a, a young guy that they had a not really young but uh you know, lacking starting experience that the Saints believed in, you know, a Hall of Famer. And they had somebody who'd been a starter for five seasons in Jameis Winston that needed uh, maybe some football, some football rehab, basically. So I think that's part of kind of what governs Fontenot's thinking here. You mentioned the Chiefs. They had Alex Smith, but they brought in Patrick Mahomes and uh, and then went from there. Good was was not good enough. They wanted to kind of shoot for a higher, a higher level here. Um, another example, this is going way back, but it involves Drew Brees. Remember the Chargers in 04? Drew Brees, heading into that season, was actually in a very similar spot to Drew Locke. A, a bit better based on his form to that point, but still a lot of questions about him. But they also wanted to see where he could still go. And so they drafted Phillip Rivers, but they still had Drew, Drew Brees. And Brees responded by basically becoming Drew Brees that year. And they rode him for a couple of years, and then they decided to go with Phil, with Philip Rivers, and that did not prove to be a bad decision for the Chargers, even though Breeze went on to a lot of success in New Orleans. But the point is that you look at these situations where teams uh, could be perceived as putting too many resources into the quarterback position, and I would argue that it's not that that that's not the way smart teams go about it. It's smart teams do think of, in terms of overcommitting. Uh, to quarter to to quarterback to having too much rather than the potential of too much rather than being caught with not enough yeah Mace. both options make a ton of sense for the falcons right here and what i mean is it makes a ton of mm-hmm. sense for them to grab specifically yeah. trey lance he makes the most sense here now if they like justin fields that obviously still makes sense but trey lance just like terry said they have the opportunity to sit a young guy for a year two, maybe mm-hmm. three, but I know with Matt Ryan's contract, uh, he's going to be under contract this year and next year as well. And boy, if you're going to sit someone sitting them behind Matt Ryan is a pretty good deal there. Uh, you know, that, that could be just as good as the Alex Smith situation, uh, out there at 
Matt Ryan's what, 36 years old. He knows that he's not going to be playing for 10 more years. So that makes a ton of sense. And the Falcons are probably also telling themselves, we're not going to be in the top five in the next decade. Plus if we get a quarterback after Matt Ryan. So it makes a lot of sense for them to go that route. If, if I'm them, I'm doing what Terry Fontenot saying right now. And this is not a smoke screen. I am getting Trey Lance. If I yeah. like him, which I do, but it also makes a lot of sense for this to be a smoke screen mace, because uh, what do we have about a week ago? It comes out that the Falcons are open to dealing the pick. And when you're open, when that news comes out, kind of drives the price down just a little bit because you know that you're that team is open to it. You don't have to sell them. Well, now the Falcons come out and say, whoa, 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 whoa. We're okay with taking not just a player at four, but we're okay with taking a quarterback, a quarterback that maybe the Denver Broncos want, that the New England Patriots want, that maybe the Detroit Lions want. We're okay with staying right here and taking a quarterback. They're trying to drive that price right back up. So for me, this makes so much sense. This is a great move for the Falcons to put this out, whether they're actually going to get a quarterback, whether they're actually uh, just driving that price tag right back up. But Mace, let's say they do stick with the quarterback and they draft Trey Lance. Then we know that's a guaranteed four quarterbacks in the Mm -hmm. first four picks. What does that mean for the Broncos in terms of a first round quarterback? Is it off the table? Is it, you know, is a trade to five now locked in if they want a quarterback? What what does this mean? I think it depends on uh, what what the 49ers do. Now, um, if Adam Schefter is correct, he pretty resolutely said it'll be Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And if Schefter is correct on that, then I think the Broncos do attempt to move up to Cincinnati's spot at number five and take Justin Fields. But if mm-hmm. if the 49ers are pulling the smoke screen and end up drafting Justin Fields and Mac Jones is QB five in, in this scenario, then I think the first round passes without a Broncos quarterback. Yeah. I think they stand pat at nine or move or move down. And it may well be moving down uh with a team that's not looking for a quarterback that's looking for another position. I mean, that at that point, at that point, probably the best hope for the Broncos is that the quarterbacks that Jones slides all the way to nine and then the Broncos trade down. I, Cause I don't, I don't see them taking Mac Jones. I don't think he has the allure that, uh, that Justin Fields and Trey Lance have in terms of, uh, in terms of how the Broncos feel about him. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you. I disagree that I would yeah. take him, but I don't disagree exactly. with you that that yeah. he's not the Broncos guy. I agree with you, Mason. You're absolutely right. Now, I think the number five overall pick, if quarterbacks go one to four, that price tag is just going to skyrocket. I don't think we can talk about the Broncos going from nine to five and it being anything but a first. Um, right. I, I think a first would absolutely be in play there. And I'd be curious to see what the Patriots would do and would be willing to offer to go from 15 to five because maybe they'd offer a ton. But also you have to remember what the Bengals want to do. They want to add something to their offense, whether it's Penny mm-hmm. Sewell, whether it's Slater, an offensive tackle to protect Joe Burrow, whether it's an offensive weapon from Kyle Pitts uh, to Jamar Chase, hook him back up. 
with Joe Burrow, uh, Devontae Smith. They can do one of those with an elite player at nine. May not be able to do that at 15. So that's an advantage that the Broncos have over the Patriots or any other team outside of the top 10. And what's interesting, Mace, is our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook right now say that the Broncos are the favorite to land Trey Lance and have the third best odds to land Justin Fields. So maybe over a DraftKings Sportsbook, they're saying, okay, Mac Jones is going three. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields is going four. And then the Broncos do make that jump up to get Trey Lance at five. Well, there's another thing that's also in play here, and that is John Elway is still the president of football operations, right? Yep. And we saw okay. a picture from Broncos Social yesterday that John Elway's in the building working with uh, George Payton. All right. Here's where that comes in. The Niners are sitting there at three. Uh, you've got John Lynch, who is very close to John Elway, running the show, or, or along with Kyle Shanahan running the show out there. And then uh, right below John Lynch is Adam Peters, who worked for John Elway in Denver. So you would think that John Elway would be able to find out what the Niners were doing with that third pick. Yes. And yep. And the funny thing is there's no reason for the Niners to kind of smokescreen all this because they've already moved up. They're not moving down one and two are basically locked in with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So you ought to be, it's, it's funny. Like the Niners are going to go to Justin Fields, pro day. For example, they're going to second pro day. They're going to go Trey Lance's second pro day, but uh, the, the, I don't know what the the Niners are are kind of needing to do in terms of trying to, deceive everybody you know because mm-hmm. they, they kind of control it there right it's they, <laughs> yeah. they basically are where the draft begins but the point being if you are elway you ought to be there's a decent chance you might be able to find out exactly what the niners are doing if they're really taking matt jones or if they're thinking hey it may be justin fields but that that's something that kind of hit me yesterday that uh you know the Bron- teams are always kind of you know, mining each other for, for Intel. Now, usually a lot of that mining for Intel and the, and the potential groundwork for trades that happen right before the draft, usually it happens at the league meetings where all the coaches and all the GMs get together. You know, they're at a, a fancy hotel. They're sitting at the bar. The alcohol is flowing. And uh, you sometimes learn a few things over the course of those few days that you're together. And uh, it ends up either laying the groundwork for a deal that you make or illuminating what the decisions you're going to make in the draft room. They don't, you don't have that this year. Everything is happening by picking up the phone and making a phone call just like it did last year. But uh, you'd think that uh, the Broncos would be able to know exactly what the 49ers are doing. And that uh, would illuminate their thinking. I, I would say this, if we hear in the next say four to seven days, that the Bronco, if there's news that the Broncos are moving up to number five and they're making a trade with Cincinnati, then I think at that point, we know what the 49ers are doing. We know they're taking Mac Jones. Yep. Yep. We absolutely do. And there may be some Intel there that the, uh, that the Falcons are also going to take a quarterback and the Broncos would have a good idea who that would be because even though I love all five quarterbacks, I don't think it's realistic that every NFL team or that the Broncos like all five quarterbacks. So they would have to know you're not trading to five 
crossing your fingers, giving up a first round pick, hoping that your guy falls. And let's say their guy is not Mac Jones. You're not just hoping that Mac Jones isn't there at five. You, you better darn well know that that's the case, or you're waiting for a draft day trade to happen. And you, you have a trade in place that if a certain scenario happens for both teams, then you execute the trade. The Broncos had that back in 2018 when they selected Bradley Chubb. They had a they had a trade in place that if Bradley Chubb didn't fall to them and, and the Browns took Bradley Chubb, that they were going to move back in the draft. Well, Bradley Chubb fell to them. That trade was off. That's what the Broncos will probably be looking at. But you're absolutely right, Mace. When it comes to the San Francisco 49ers, if anyone is going to know what they're doing, it should be the Broncos. And that could give them the upper hand. And that could even give them the upper hand to trading with the Falcons. If they know, okay, they are taking Mac Jones. Our guy's going to be there. Let's just persuade the Falcons to not go quarterback this year. And if Terry Fontenot gets his way and he is the general manager and we heard a report just a week ago saying that Arthur Smith, the head coach wanted to go with, you know, a Kyle Pitts type of route Mm -hmm. and Terry Fontenot, the general manager wanted to go quarterback route. If Terry Fontenot gets his way, which I imagine he would here and gets a quarter and goes quarterback, then they're not going to trade that pick. No way are they going to trade that pick. So then it just comes into the conversation we're talking about. How can the Broncos get to five if they want a quarterback? Well, the question is uh, whether Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, agreed with Terry Fontenot because when you have a, a scenario like that where the head coach and GM are equals, you count on them to come to a consensus, and, and most of the time they do it. But in those types of organizations, usually the guy up top breaks the tie. When I worked in Carolina, that was that was the way it operated with John Fox and uh, and Marty Herney uh, as the coaching GM, respectively. And uh, if they could not come to a resolution, it was uh, the team president, Mark Richardson, the son of the then owner, Jerry Richardson, who would always break the tie. So I think uh, if they can't figure it out, it becomes an Arthur Blank decision. And what did Arthur and what does Arthur Blank want to do? Does he want to? Does he believe uh, in stacking quarterbacks, or does he say? Does he believe that Matt Ryan maybe has five years left and let's get him the big time target? So uh, that's it's it's interesting to hear what Fontenot is saying, knowing that uh, we're not sure what the resolution of of that is. I think the other thing is, of course, if they take a trade offer from the Cowboys and we've heard rumblings that Jerry Jones is very keen on Kyle Pitts, that if that happens, then I think we're going to have our answer as for who won the tug of war at the top of the Falcons organization. And then this conversation is a, is a little bit moot, although I don't think it's quite moot because it's it, it, it to me it comes back to the notion of having too much rather than not enough and the fact that Terry Fontenot uh interviewed for the Broncos job by all accounts interviewed very well for the Falcons job even or the Broncos job even though it went to George Payton it sort of offers a, a little bit of a kind of an, an alternate timeline like a what if what if Terry Fontenot had been the guy and not George Payton uh, then what do you think the Broncos would be looking at right now 
I mean, don't you think we're we're talking about certainly trading up is like almost a guarantee, Mace? I'd if, say so. If he says you can't have enough quarterbacks and they have potential future Hall of Famer Matt Ryan, who's only 36, you can convince yourself he could play another three or four years at a good level. If they have him and they're talking Ooh. about taking a top five quarterback, Mace, what are we talking about with Terry Fontenot here with Drew Locke? And no offense to Drew Locke, just the truth is he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. Uh, uh, did, does he execute that deal for Matthew Stafford uh, and give two first round picks uh, or something that that mm-hmm. that was better than what the Rams gave the Lions? Does he make sure that that happens? Maybe George Payton would call that reckless and Terry Fontenot would say nothing is reckless when you're getting your quarterback. Would he have made the trade up to three from nine to three and not let the 49ers beat him out? Would, would there be a trade in place with the Falcons at four right now? It does really make you wonder. And uh, there. I, I like George Payton's we're going to be in every deal. Yes. We're going to be aggressive, but not reckless. However, when it comes to the quarterback position, sometimes you got to do whatever it takes to get a quarterback. If it's a guy that you love, not just get any quarterback, but get the quarterback that you really love, whether it's a veteran, whether it's a rookie, you have to do whatever it takes. And I, I could see George Payton saying the whatever it takes approach as being reckless. And then that means that, well, you're going to miss out on a lot of these guys. And so that's, that's just where I need to see him be willing to cross the line and to do whatever it takes when it comes to the quarterback position. Yeah. And I would say that what is reckless at other positions is not reckless when it comes to the quarterback position just because of its outsized importance. You can't treat that position like other positions. Mm-hmm. You have like you have to understand, like I talk about the quarterback premium in terms of trading up. It is di- everything is different when you're talking about the quarterback compared to moving up for other positions. Um, I would argue as as great as Kyle Pitts is. I would argue that uh, if the Cowboys are sacrificing, you know, a first, a future first round pick, and maybe even a couple of future second round picks as well to go from 10 to four, I would argue that's reckless. And I love Kyle Pitts as a prospect, but quarterback being the, the, all of the pistons in the engine. I don't think, I think uh, how you define reckless has to be a bit different in terms of a deal you'd make regarding that position than other positions. Yeah. And man, how, uh, how that would be so Cowboys for them to trade up into the top five in order to draft a tight end. That would be so Jerry Jones. It's what you're hoping for. If you're the Broncos, I mean, kind of the, the, the dream you, you, you talk about kind of dream scenarios and, and then kind of getting worse. The dream scenario, I think, for the Broncos is if the Niners take Mac Jones at three and then the Falcons trade down to 10 with the Cowboys. And then all of a sudden you get you have a chance that that either Fields or Lance could fall to nine. If you want to kind of make it certain, maybe you you kind of nudge your way up two spots and perhaps you're able to kind of move up and be in position for one of them without having to sacrifice a future first round pick. And so you've got, there, there are so many possibilities here. If it's, if, if picks three and four go Jones, then Pitts. I mean, it's, 
it's a beautiful scenario. Like if, if we, if, if we're talking about this today, but we could live in a different world tomorrow than we did today to paraphrase uh, Sonny Weaver jr. And draft day. So <laughs> if we live in a different world tomorrow and the Falcons have pulled the trigger on a trade with the Cowboys, then if you want to just make it certain, I think then you, you start trying to, to work out something with, with the Bengals. And I think the, the, the funny, the thing with the Bengals, you know, I know that number five, it's a, it's a spot that uh, Mike Cliss of nine news has talked about. It's a spot that makes a lot of sense for many reasons. A, because if the Niners go Mac Jones, you assure yourself of either Lance or fields B because of all the teams that you could move up with. The Bengals are the one who have a collection of needs that dovetail best with being able to include a player or two rather than a draft pick, a player that you may consider expendable because of ample depth, like somebody from your wide receiver room. Right. And Mace, I was going to say Tim Patrick's the easy name to point to, but Mm -hmm. he's not the guy that has the most value. The there's two guys that have way more value than him. And Mm -hmm. they also have a lot of value on your own team. Of course, But in order to move up to five, to get a quarterback, you're going to have to give up something that hurts you of giving up a future first round pick hurts you giving up Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton definitely hurts you. But if you want to keep your picks, that may be the route that you could go Mace. And then George Payton gets to keep his, all of his draft picks, which we know he values so, so much. You get to keep Tim Patrick. Then we're not talking about Tim Patrick being a trade candidate this year, or, you know, how much is he going to get in free agency next year? You sign him up to a long-term deal right now. And then boom, do you have a hole at wide receiver? No, you don't. You just don't have like incredible depth like you have now. But what are we talking about with this wide receiver group? When we talk about the depth, it's almost too much depth. We say, how are all of these guys, including Noah Fan and Alberto, going to get on the field at once? It's it's almost too too much. So that is something. And boy, I got to think that that the uh, the Bengals would be interested in that, unless they just say, you know, Jamar Chase is our guy. We want to pair him back up um, with uh, with Joe Burrow. And then there's maybe nothing you can do there. Falcons, you're probably not going to be able to mm-hmm. trade with. And then it's the Lions. And then we're not talking about giving up a future first to move up two spots. And let's face it, with the wide receiver position, if you hang on to your draft capital, you're going to be able to restock that. It's, yeah, you've got talent there and you like the the talent you've assembled in that room. But, Zach, we're talking about excellent wide receiver classes every year. College football has no problem producing NFL-ready wide receiver talent. They have a problem producing NFL-ready Offensive tackle talent, got to coach those guys up. Quarterback, you're teaching guys how to go from the spread to pro-style offenses. But And some years at quarterback are better than others. I mean, the, the 2019 draft, for example, doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't look nearly as deep as, uh, as 2017 or 2018 in terms of the quarterbacks that came out of it. It's uh, Kyler Murray and, you, and, and big question marks right now and Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. But wide receiver – pretty much every year you're talking about a good cluster of guys. And so if I'm George Payton and I'm kind of planning things right now, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I would, I would rather sacrifice from the wide receiver room than sacrifice draft capital. Shoot. uh, You could, you know, the Broncos have, uh, you know, have been in on uh, 
uh, Zoom conversations with a uh, with some receivers that, that that are that are in this year's draft class. So, you know, you're you're going to be able to to find those guys that those types of guys in the future. It's uh, Rondale Moore, the receiver out of Purdue. We know that they've had conversations with. So they've been doing their homework on wide receivers this year too. I mean, it may, it may sound crazy right now to say the Broncos add a wide receiver in this year's draft class, but if they sat, if they decide we'd rather uh, talk about a trade up that involves uh, a Jerry Judy rather than a first round, our first round pick in 2022, it doesn't sound so crazy to say that, all right, you might make that deal and then you might uh, uh, bring in Rondale Moore on day two. Right. Yeah, no, it, it certainly doesn't sound crazy. And Mace, again, I know it probably makes a lot of people cringe and say, what do you mean you'd trade Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? Do what you need to do to get a quarterback, because it doesn't matter how good your wide receiver core is if you don't don't have a good quarterback there. And just like Terry Fontenot said, you can't have too many good quarterbacks. You, you can't invest heavily in the most important position of sports. And Mace, I think that's where the Broncos have gone wrong these past five years since Peyton Manning has left, yep. is they have tried to go on the cheap with quarterback. You can't do it. You can't do it. They went with a seventh round pick, Trevor Simeon. They went with a late first round pick in Paxton Lynch. A late first round pick on a quarterback is not an investment at all. They went with $18 million for Case Keenum. I believe he was one of the top or the bottom 10 quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks paid that year. That is not an investment in him, regardless of the price tag. Joe Flacco, they give up a fourth round pick, a fourth round pick. That is nothing into your quarterback. And then Drew Locke, a second round pick. That is just nothing invested in a long-term starting quarterback. You have to invest in the position or just get incredibly lucky. Yes, there are the stories of the Dak Prescotts, the Russell Wilsons, but oftentimes you have to invest heavily. And those mm -hmm. teams are now heavily invested in Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. They're getting paid, what, $40 million? So, George, I love it. Be aggressive, not reckless outside of the quarterback position. <laughs> but again, what you define as reckless is different. I would, I would argue that moving up to five isn't reckless. Oh, absolutely not. I if, totally agree. I'd say it's, I'd say it's reckless to go in with an, uh, an underwhelming quarterback room. I'd say it's reckless to go into this year and basically say, we're putting all our eggs in drew locks basket. That to that I'd say it was reckless in 2018 to uh, uh, to say Case Keenum and not draft a quarterback and say we're good with Case and uh, bringing whatever we can out of pa Paxton Lynch. I'd say what is rec I'd say what last year with all the good possibilities for backup quarterbacks and you signed Jeff Driscoll just because you didn't want to have any controversy behind Drew Locke. That was reckless. Yeah. Moving up wouldn't be right. No, I, I'm right there with you, mates. I absolutely love <laughs> these conversations, <laughs> man. Know. And we could just go uh. on forever and ever. And someone that I talked about during that conversation was our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And man, they have so many fun odds over at DraftKings Sportsbook now surrounding the draft. It just keeps building by the day. You can guess how many players at a certain position are going to be drafted in the first round. You can guess every player's over under where they're going to be drafted. They have so much going on. I mean, 
we can keep you, we can keep talking about the draft forever. DraftKings Sportsbook, you can keep looking at their draft odds forever. So make sure to check them out. And right now they're offering a deal for you with basketball in full swing and terrible news for the Nuggets today coming down about Jamal Murray. Their odds ha- have dropped dramatically after it came out that Jamal tore his ACL. Man, I feel I'm just so heartbroken by that. But you can get in on some basketball odds. And if you want to take the Nuggets because they're getting some more favorable odds with that news, you can take that over at DraftKings right now. And they're giving you the chance to turn $1 into $100 by picking any basketball team to win their next game or, or to, to hit a three. And if that team hits a three, you turn $1 into $100. That's all it takes is you pick a team to hit a three. And if they hit a three, boom, you win right there. The Nuggets can hit threes even without Jamal. So that's a pretty good bet right there. So head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and download the app right now. It's America's top-rated sportsbook app. And use the promo code DNVR. When you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets, if the basketball team of your choice hits a three, let's go DNVR to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Yeah, that's that's really tough on uh on Jamal Murray. I, I feel like we all maybe jinxed it a little bit because we're having these conversations about wow, what is July in Denver going to look like? Could be the, you know, the, the Stanley Cup finals and the NBA finals and the all-star game. And now, I mean, yeah, yeah. The Avs are so good. Yeah, the, but the Nuggets uh, will make a push, but man, losing your second best player is tough. I mean, now it's, uh, realistically, I think, it's a four or five seed. It means you're playing an LA team in round one in all likelihood. I mean, I mean, this could be one and done basically. I mean, this is <laughs> so sad. It's sad. And you know, an ACL injury, we're talking about it happening in, in April. I mean, he's going to miss time next year too. So yep. it's going to be, it's going to be a, a slow, uh, a slow starting nuggets team. I don't think this is going to be the Ewing theory this this will not be a better team without jamal murray so yeah it's 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 really sad because i think that the aspirations were legitimate and let's face it it's really sad to particularly sad to see it happen in the final minute of a lost game you know yeah yeah that's it really is anyway oh all right anyhow despite all that want to tell you about gabby insurance unfortunately uh you know there's no really real insurance on losing a player to a star player to a torn ACL. But when it comes to heart, car and home insurance, there is, and you know what? You might deserve better. Lots of, of members and staff at DMVR put their policy to the test and turn to Gabby. And when they did, Gabby often saved them hundreds of dollars. Eric Wiedem, you may know him as Dean Line Co., saved over $1,300. Just think of what you can do with $1,300. You can go on a vacation. You can stick in the bank. You can uh, make a few car, make a few car payments. You can uh, maybe you know splurge on a bet at DraftKings. Perhaps there's all sorts of things that you can do with that money. Gabby literally stands for Get a Better Insurance, G A B I, and getting a better insurance means getting a better price for the same coverage. Gabby is the one true comparison platform with real rates. They'll give you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers, including big names like Progressive. 
nationwide and travelers all in one place. Here's what you do. You take your current insurance information and get started. In just minutes, you're going to be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. It's free to use. It takes only minutes to do. It takes only minutes to do. And on average, Gabby customers will save $961 per year. And guess what? You put your info in, but they'll never sell your info. So you don't get annoying spam or robocalls coming in after you put your insurance to the test over at Gabby. So get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check out and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash DNVR. That's G-A-B-I.com slash dnvr once again gabby.com slash dnvr absolutely mason mm -hmm. let me tell you about how to leave a comment on our podcast go to the dnvr.com at the top of the screen you'll see a podcast section click that click on the broncos podcast and every single one of our podcasts ever will pop up click on the top one that's our most recent one scroll down to the bottom of the page and a comment section will magically appear once you are a member of ours, you will be able to leave a comment that will be read on the following day's podcast, and we're about to hop into those. But let me tell you the other benefits that you get of becoming a member of our family. You get your you get all of your comments and questions read on this podcast. You get a free DNVR shirt when you sign up for a annual membership. You get the DNVR Locker Weekly Member of the Deal. You get the big beer for a price of a small beer over at the D at the DNVR bar. You get a chance to hop on our live streams, play in the red zone with us. You get access to a members-only Discord. You get so, so much, and you get to support this podcast, and we really, really appreciate all of you who do. And for the next couple people that sign up, you'll get a free recovery holistic stick from Holistic Wellness, and this holistic stick from Holistic Wellness packs 10 milligrams of CBD, and this one is focused on recovery. And once you get it and you love it, well, you can check them out over at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com and use promo code DNVR30 to get 30% off any order over at holisticwellness.com. So make sure to sign up with us and you'll get that holistic wellness stick in the mail along with a DNVR shirt of your choice when you sign up for that annual membership. And Mace, let's talk to the people that are part of our family right now. Jump into the comment section. First one coming in from the count. Yep. The count says Twitter friends. It occurs to me, as RK often reiterates, that there's no real right or wrong way to be a fan of a team. The word itself literally is derived from the word fanatic. We are all a bit insane for spending our valuable time obsessed over what is essentially a fictitious and made-up concept. What has become clear is that there are two large divisions of fans that are creating a civil war on Twitter. There are fans that voice their fandom with their hearts and fans that voice their fandom with their minds, and then those in the middle that try to mediate between the two. Let's all agree to let each side's fanaticism live and breathe from whence it is born. Neither has primacy. We are all kooks, which is why when you see another Broncos fan on the street, you nod and smile. Let's keep it together, people. Love the count. Uh, beautifully said the count. I just, I absolutely love it. There's no reason to fight, you know, and that's what I love about this community. Mace is, you know, we, we have different opinions. Maybe it's on Von Miller. Maybe it's on whether the Broncos should ride with Drew Locke or not, but we keep it civil and, and we're willing to go back and forth. I think, of course, part of it, though, is the debate, people talking about the hearts and minds, and it's what they want the Broncos to act with. Do they want them to act with their heart or do they want them to act with their mind? I mean, and I think I'd like to think most people want George Payton to make a clear minded decision here rather than go with his heart. 
Yeah. Or, or John, you know, John Elway is president of football operations going with his heart because like, for example, his heart would probably be all in on Drew Locke and uh, status quo at the quarterback position and still have Jeff Driscoll be as the backup. But that's not the wise play right now. The wise play is at least to have a hedge in there. Yeah, it certainly is. And as of right now, the heart is winning so far. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, that's another thing. People are naturally impatient, right? Yeah. So they're looking at the, uh, they. you look at all the quarterbacks that have gone elsewhere and you look at the 49ers moving up and you're like, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> they're not playing a game on Sunday. That's right. so, step back from the ledge. They're playing a game in September. So yeah. after the draft, I think we can start saying, okay, you know, let's, uh, did they do enough or not do enough? But in, in right now, you still have trade possibilities out there that frankly are better than some of the free agent hedges. I, I, I would argue Gardner Minshew was a bet is a better possibility than any of the free agent hedges that you could have brought in. Mm, okay. Yeah. I agree There's with time. That. There, yes. there is still time here. Just let, let it play out. But it's fun to discuss in the interim. It's get, I mean, just think of how many hours of conversation it's given us on this podcast. <laughs> yes, I mean, it certainly has. I don't know what we're going to do when the Broncos find their quarterback. Uh, what we're going to do is talk about what the competition is going to look like if there is a competition. Uh, <laughs> if it's Even if it's Gardner Minshew versus Drew Locke, we're talking about what that's going to look like. Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. And then if it's, uh, look, I think Justin Fields, Drew Locke would be a hell of a competition, a hell of a lot of fun. And there's a hell of a lot of swagger out there with those two. Mm, it'd be a blast. Oh, that <laughs> would be, be a be blast. Great. So Mace, what you're saying is uh, Broncos fans should listen to my favorite quarterback, R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Huh? <laughs> yeah, watch him on Jeopardy right now. Yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> Doing Next... a pretty good job there, by the way. I wouldn't mind him seeing, get, seeing him get that gig. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of buzz surrounding him potentially, mm -hmm. you know, trying to get that gig for forever. That would be crazy. He have, he wants it bad. I mean, yeah. you've seen the things he said, like, well, it's 46 days of taping. We can do that in the offseason. I mean, he is, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how much they, they like the lobbying, but uh, he's he, he he he's got his dream and he want and he's going after it that he he wants to spend the rest of his life hosting Jeopardy. OK, I can't blame him. That's <laughs> You know, my, my, dr my dream is to win on Jeopardy. Still my dream. <laughs> Someday, Mace, you'll be going with Aaron Rodgers. I love it. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll give, you know, once I, I have to say, if I ever get on Jeopardy and I win and he's the host, don't, I've got to do the belt thing, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, I of course, to. of course, that would be hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Next one coming in from DTL. Hey, guys, I don't get this change for the sake of change mindset. It usually leads to your own downfall. Denver has never drafted a long-term answer. So what makes you think it is this year? One quarterback working out in a draft is normal. Two great and three exceptional. I don't like our odds at number four, especially if we give up another first for him to be a bust. All I'm saying is stick to what we know works and trade a guy for a pick or pick him up off the market. Oh, wow. There is so much to unpack here, actually, from DTL. First off, we're not just saying change for change sake. We're saying if you're going to make a change at quarterback, have it be an upgrade and look for an upgrade. We're not just saying switch out Drew Locke for another Drew Locke. So first of all, 
You're saying Denver has never drafted the long-term answer, so why even try? Mace, this is kind of like the the Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback argument. If you're going to just say, well, it's never worked, uh, you know, we, we've not successfully drafted a quarterback 40 years ago, so it's not going to help now. Nothing in this organization right now, nothing is the same when the Broncos drafted guys 40 years ago. Even when the Broncos drafted Jay Cutler, it's not the same at, at all either, Mace. I mean, it, you don't have Mike Shanahan here. John Elway wasn't there when they drafted Jay Cutler. So many different things happened. And so if you're just going to say that, well, then you're going to pass up on good quarterbacks. Um, and then also your other point about how the, there's probably only one or two good quarterbacks in this draft that will pan out. Who's saying it's the first two quarterbacks that are picked? No way. In 2018, Mace, the best quarterback was the fifth quarterback taken. So I agree with you. Not all five of these guys are going to pan out, but it doesn't mean that uh, the third, fourth, and fifth ones that are picked are going to be the ones that don't pan out. Yeah, and, and the other thing, of course, just because somebody is QB4 or QB5 in terms of how a draft falls doesn't mean he's your QB4, QB5. If, you know, Justin Fields, he falls, maybe he's your QB two behind Trevor Lawrence. And the other thing is not every, you know, obviously not every year is the same. I mean, you talk about one quarterback working on draft being normal, two great, three exceptional. I think you're talking about this, this class. It's at least above average. It has the potential to be, to be great. And over the years in the top 12, you've got a 50 50 shot of, of, of your guy being somebody who you're building long, around long-term. The other thing is if you move on from Drew Locke, if you bring in another guy, it's not change for the sake of change. It's changed because Drew Locke was 35th in completion percentage, 33rd in interception rate, 32nd in passer rating, uh, 29th in ESPN QBR. You're moving on because the guy wasn't that good. And yeah. actually, I mean, he needs to move up substantially to be even middling. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's a good, it's a very good point, Mace. Next one coming in from the Chad. Gentlemen, I've seen a few articles floating around the interwebs. Champion bringing back the old Broncos D logo. Unpopular opinion? I really dislike any Broncos uniform or logo pre-1997. They just all look so dated that I can't handle it. Another unpopular opinion. A hot dog is a sandwich. What are unpopular opinions do you all have? <laughs> well, if you break the piece of bread up into two, then it's a sandwich. Uh, but when it's just when the bun is one thing, it is one thing. It's not a sandwich. It's, it's one entity, one piece. So that's so that, the bun that, falls apart and fails you. Then it turns into a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, but but you're also thinking about the original intent of the of the bun. The bun is intended to be together. Then if it breaks up, it's an accidental sandwich. Okay. No. So, so a uh, yeah. burger is definitely a sandwich. A burger is a sandwich. Yes. The other thing that Chad and I, you're, you're like unpopular opinion. Yeah. That's an unpopular opinion because I would say this, it is the post 1997 uniform that is dated that screams late nineties, early two thousands, because a fair amount of teams at multiple levels mimicked the big, ugly, obtrusive side swoosh look and then 
moved away from it over time because they realized that it was uh, something that was that was dated and tied to a particular moment. It's not it, it's not sleek. It's clunky. Uh, I, I said on Twitter a few days ago, all the players from the side look like giant parentheses running around. <laughs> yeah, it's the the timeless look, the one that isn't dated is. Is consistent stripes block numbers. I mean, like you take it for example, the Raiders have a timeless look. The right. Chiefs have a timeless look. The Packers have a timeless, timeless look. The the Bucks went away from their dated, ugly digital alarm clock font and went back to a more <laughs> timeless look. And they, look what they did. They won the Super Bowl, although that had no, that had nothing to do with it. They they would even in Tom Brady in an ugly uniform would have won a Super Bowl. The point being is that uh, when teams kind of try to reinvent the wheel, they end up with a look that gets so tied to the era that uh, and, and we've seen what styles of uniforms are actually the ones that don't look dated. And frankly, we see that template in, in the color rush uniform. That's the that's the look that isn't dated. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a really good point. And so he asks for what are our unpopular opinions? Well, the guy that hosts Jeopardy is a little overrated at playing football. <laughs> I think that's an unpopular one. <laughs> Mace, right. Do you have any unpopular opinions? Um, Some would say that my opinions on Drew Locker are unpopular. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I said it's strict. Look, it's a numbers and performance argument for me, although Wolf Drunk here is going to have some some things here uh, on this that, you know, that, you know, he's diving in, but um, the fact, the fact is that Drew Locke compared to other second year quarterbacks when you just for era is in the territory where almost everybody missed. And I'm, I just don't feel comfortable relying on that being the only option. You need something else in there. Yeah, it's a good yeah. it's a good point. And let's dive into Wolf Drunk's comment right here. He said, I did some number crunching because I cannot stand the narrative that we've seen enough from Locke to determine if he isn't a franchise quarterback. I'm not going to go over the old arguments, but I like nuance in numbers. When throwing to players Locke has played with prior to 2020, he completed 61.3% of his passes for 11.57 yards per reception and a touchdown on 4.29% of his throws. When throwing to players he hadn't thrown to in prior seasons, Dominantly rookies, but I did add Melvin and Co., which make these numbers jump way up. 55.2% completion for 11.52 yards per reception and a TD on 2.98% of throws. Extrapolated out to an expected 545 or 545 passes in a 16-game season, lock pace of only throwing to players he'd play with prior to 2020 is 3,865 yards and 23 touchdowns. We assume when rookie receivers come into the league, they will take time to develop. We know that timing and chemistry is important for quarterbacks and the receivers. Locke completed 64.4% of throws to veterans and 49.7% to rookies. When we talk about a guy like Minshew, he wasn't relying on LaVisca. LaVisca was worked in slowly and never relied on. Jacksonville leaned into their running back and veteran wide receivers. Since he prepped or, or peppered Higgins with 100 targets, but same with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. Only 20% of their targets went to a rookie. We know what Herbert had to throw to. Less than 10% of his targets went to rookies. 33% of Denver's targets went to rookie pass catchers this season. I understand it's hard seeing divisional rivals land guys that have instant success, but they have had quality offenses when those quarterbacks were drafted. We are building our quarterback 
or we're building ours with our quarterback. Give him some time. Throwing multiple top 60 picks away for fourth or fifth quarterback on the board seems like an emotional reaction, not a logical one. If there is a guy they like at nine, great, but let's not kneecap ourselves. I have major 2013 vibes about this class. To Mace's comment about comparing Locke to other quarterbacks, there is no quarterback to my knowledge that compares to Locke's situation. I would love to see the success rate of quarterbacks in their first 18 games when playing in offenses that average under 25 years of age or who throw 33% of their touchdowns or throws to rookies. I don't know when receivers stop being part when receivers stop being part of completing a throw. I always thought it was tough that being the timing between quarterbacks and receivers was a two-way street. Well, let's just talk about that. And I know actually there's one comment that notes that uh, uh, some of the, that a lot of his throws were, were offline. If you, if you remove the drop, let's, let's remove all the drops from it. Jerry Judy, of course, uh, had a fountain of drops. So did KJ Hamler. And when you take the drops out, he still has the lowest completion percentage in the NFL. When when you when every when drops are removed from every quarterback, that's why you look at adjusted completion percentage on Pro Football Focus. He's still last. You talk about the completion percentage to players they played with prior to 2020, and you say 61.3 percent. 61.3 percent would have ranked 33rd among 35 eligible quarterbacks last year. The touchdown percentage of 4.29% to players that were there before, that would have ranked 21st of 35 quarterbacks. This is good. This is what we're clinging to here. I just, I, I, it's, it's, not enough. It's, it's not enough. He hasn't shown enough to where you're putting all the eggs in one basket. I just, I, I, I appreciate the work that you put into it, Wolf Drunk, but uh, when I when I take a look at, at for example that completion percentage and the touchdown percentage uh, with the veterans, it's just, those those aren't impressive numbers. Well, Mace, I, I'm willing to and 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 for th- this goes back to kind of the Garrett Bowles conversation. Mm-hmm. We weren't wrong on Garrett Bowles. Everyone that didn't believe in Garrett Bowles going yeah. into last season wasn't wrong. They were just looking at what he was doing, and it wasn't good enough. Garrett Bowles didn't prove all of us wrong. Garrett Bowles went out and showed that he could turn things around, so we let our eyes trust us. So now, how does this come into this conversation? I loved Drew Locke coming out of college. I, I was his number one fan when the Broncos got him. I believed in him so much. I was all about the pick. But over the last two years, Mace, I've let my eyes show me that, okay, that you know what? Uh, I need to come off of this a little bit because he has not been good. He has not shown me the things consistently that need to happen. So what that means for this conversation is, wow, Wolf Drunk, I, I think you did some great research yeah. here and really like the numbers that you showed. And I'm going, okay, okay, I see where you're coming from. I still have my doubts. But then, Mace, I listen to what you said, <laughs> and I say, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I'm I'm open eyes, open ears. And, uh, yeah, Mace, you're right. Those numbers, you know, 60% completion, that's kind of like, a, what, 20, 15 years old in terms of being like the bar to hit? That's yeah. that is not even the Mendoza line anymore. I mean, that that line is going up. So just to be eclipsing 61 percent when you're talking about the most favorable, uh, you know, matchups and targets that you're looking at, 
isn't good. So like you said, Mace, what are we looking for here? Are we just looking for bottom 10 quarterback play or do you want to see, and I understand that, you know, Drew's only played 18 starts right now. So did you see enough to make you, to make you comfortable going into a season where Drew Locke is clearly the guy as he is right now? Yeah. And, and frankly, I, if he's, the, if he is clearly the guy in there, like if, if Nick Foles is the player that comes in, Nick Foles, who hasn't been very good the last couple of years at all. I don't know if you can look a lot of guys in the locker room eye to eye and say that we did everything that we could to improve this, to, to make sure that, that, that this quarterback position was, was backstopped. I, I, I don't think that's enough. You've got to have somebody who can step in and play if, if Drew Locke doesn't take the next steps because the company that he keeps right now in terms of his form to this point in his career, again, the misses far outnumber the hits. You can't, you just can't put all the eggs in that basket. You right. Just, you, you can't, if you're really trying to win this year, you can't do that. And this isn't a surprise. This is something that uh, George Payton told us when he took yeah. the job that they need to improve the room, not necessarily replace lock, but improve it. And so mm. that's why we've been talking about this so much is the general manager has told us that they're going to make, you know, quite a sizable move at some yeah. point here and they just haven't done it yet. So the conversation continues. Yep. Tidbits and bits of tid. Considering the roster we currently have, my dream scenario for this should be moved up to draft fields and then sign Teddy Bridgewater. See, this is where we get the extremes because <laughs> now this isn't even the middle ground of having Drew Locke remain as competition. Yeah, this is you're moving on completely. <laughs> Continuing from tidbits and bits of tid, I'd be perfectly okay with trading Drew Locke. The reason I say this is because I want the near certainty of veteran average QB play to take full advantage of this year's stacked roster. When we take into account Shermer's history with QBs, where every QB he's had since 2013 has hit their career best QB rating under him, with the exception of Eli Manning, who narrowly missed setting a new career best, I would love to see a Bridgewater Fields QB room. We can install the full offensive scheme and go guns blazing rather than having to dumb anything down. I've listed the QBs and their QB ratings below to back up what I'm saying. You don't have to read aloud consider Bridgewater having a career year next year on this stack team and what, what that would look like when our young QB is ready well then it's time to take it to the next level you know in Bridgewater having a career year you'd be probably talking about if we're going by passer rating a rating of 100 because that would then exceed the rating that he had playing for Sean Payton in New Orleans Bridgewater as a hundred rating guy is somebody that you could that you could win with I mean if you can get the price tag down, Zach, I've talked about, even though I, I like Gardner Minshew in terms of the price point as well, but if you can get the price tag down on Teddy Bridgewater, I've talked myself into being okay with Teddy coming in and competing for the job. Yeah. And the Broncos are in a really weird spot when it comes to if they want a rookie and they want a veteran then there's just no place for Drew Locke because Drew Locke isn't a true veteran like a Teddy Bridgewater is going to be or even a Nick Foles is going to be. And if you want a rookie to pair with a veteran, just like uh, tidbits and bits of tid is saying, then you're going to have to trade Drew Locke in, in this scenario. And you're probably not going to get much back for him. You know, maybe a third round pick, maybe a fourth round pick, probably a little more likely. And that's probably going to happen on draft day. Um, so that is that is an interesting scenario because it, 
that's making many moves at the quarterback position, but it's very interesting. Next one coming in from Casper. He says, fellas, do you have plans to start doing in-person podcasts again, or will it be zoom cast here to stay? Yes, Casper, we will be doing in-person podcasts soon. And I apologize for my audio yesterday in the second half. Uh, my, uh, my computer was connecting to the wrong audio source. So I apologize about that. It should be back on my nice mic now. So we should be good. You sound good today, Zach. Everything worked out. Now I would say, say this i i think zoom podcasts will be something that will kind of remain a part a part of it from time to time and i think right. you'll you'll probably see for example um post you know post game podcasts may involve uh you know at least one of us joining over zoom um as we get into the season depending on how the media schedule is structured down at Dove Valley because by all, in, by all uh, indications, we're going to be back there in person. I mean, it could be, you know, maybe Ryan at the studio and then Zach and I down closer to Dove, to, to Dove Valley. I mean, so I don't think Zoom is, is going away completely, but there will be more uh, in-person pods as we get to uh, getting everybody vaccinated and getting back to normal. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, well put, Mace. I think you're spot yeah. on. Next one coming in from maybe the Dingo, H.O. Baby. The Broncos find themselves in a built position on the defensive side of the ball, barring injuries. Do you believe it's too late for this group of defenders because the offense won't be able to match their level of play at the most opportune time? Uh, it's not too late if the quarterback position has a substantial upgrade, whether you're talking about Drew Locke making a huge leap again. Statistically speaking, it's unlikely that he makes a leap up to uh, to average to above average. But if if he does, then that's a possibility. If you bring in a rookie and structure it all around him, they're a possibility. So, yeah, and you're going to have to supplement and hit on your supplements on the defensive side in order to keep this defense good beyond just this year. You're going to have to hit on a safety either this year or next year to replace Kareem Jackson. Um, what do you do with Von Miller? Do you keep Von? Do you find a replacement? And then what else, What do you do with the cornerback room? So I don't think it's too late, but you do have to make some right moves in order to keep the defense good for a long time. Yeah, you do. You do. Next one from Orange and Blue all over. Two gents, two questions today. One, do you think Peyton will ask Peyton Manning what he thinks about Locke after doing film study together? Do you think he should? I think there's no harm in George mm -hmm. Peyton reaching out to Peyton Manning and asking, but I don't think that this film study is Peyton Manning quizzing Drew Locke and trying to find out about Drew Locke. I think it's the exact opposite. I think it's Drew just trying to get as much information from Peyton Manning as possible. So I'm not really sure how much Peyton Manning would be able to get out of Drew Locke since I think Drew Locke is trying to get everything out of Peyton. Yeah, I, I would agree. And uh, I think in the vein that you should always have as much information as possible, I think uh, George Payton should ask Peyton Manning what he thinks. And uh, that being said, I would caution against making and making a full decision based on that alone. I think that's, it's another, it's another data point that you throw in to an overall decision, but I don't think it's something that should, should sway you one way or the other. He goes on and says, two, would it be legal for the 49ers to trade information for draft picks? Example, San Francisco would tell one team in secret who they plan to take at three so they can decide if they want to trade to four ahead of the draft in exchange for swapping a fifth for a seventh round pick. Thanks. Oh, we, that sort of thing happens all the time. 
<laughs> you scratch my back, I scratch yours. That's why I mentioned earlier the whole thing of uh, John Elway, my you know, mining John Lynch and uh, Adam Peters for information, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Now, it wouldn't be as obvious as just trading a fifth for a seventh, right? Because that's very obvious. But let me remind you of a Capri Bibbs yes, trade. Yes, thank you. That the Broncos did on draft day. What did they do? They traded Capri Bibbs for a fourth round pick or something like that. And it was kind of a head scratching move for both sides. And it made sense because it was uh it was a little it was the Broncos thanking the 49ers for uh you know letting them take from their coaching staff or was that for the Adam Peters I don't remember what it was but yes that stuff happens and it's not as obvious as saying okay we'll give you a fifth for a seventh because that's pretty fishy something's going on there yeah and do you remember also um the Dakota Watson trade yes exactly (laughs) the Dakota Watson's back and forth Uh, they've They've made they've made some back scratching deals. The Niners and Broncos have in the past few years. So <laughs> yes, that's why have. you ha- I think you have to mention the notion that the Broncos could be able to find out exactly what the 49ers uh, intend to do. Now, one thing you should do is check out our friends over at Green Roads. You probably know by now that DMVR is a huge supporter of CBD. And as a consumer, you must find the product that works best for you. Green Roads has hooked us up with some incredible products. Green Roads has over 30,000 five-star reviews. 30,000. If you want to get 20% off your purchase at Green Roads, use that magical code DNVR20. It's the number one privately held CBD company in the U.S. by market share with award-winning products. Pharmacist founded, pharmacist formulated, and there's QR codes on all Green Roads packaging, packaging with, which link to independent lab test results. So you can find out exactly how those products can help you. They have an abundant selection of oils, topicals, edibles, beverages, and more. You know, for example, you can uh, take uh, some CBD gummies uh, that are going to help you relax and fall asleep better. CBD capsules, if you don't want to take some gummies, same effect will help you get a good night's sleep. CBD products have helped me with headaches over over the years as well. I actually took a CBD, uh, a CBD pill last night and had one of the best nights of sleep I've had in a long time. Of course, the fact that my puppies actually slept through the night helped that as well too. But the CB, but I woke up refreshed, revived, ready to go attack another full day. So check out greenroads.com, greenroads.com and use that code DMVR20 for 20% off. Go to Green Roads and get some of those CBD products. They're going to help you through your day. A sleepy Z is the perfect way to get some CBD from Green Roads at night when you want help sleeping. But if you need help maybe getting awake in the morning and you want some CBD in that, check out our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee. And you guys know how much we love you, but you've been letting us down. You've been letting our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee down. Strava is one of our most loyal, longest partners, and they have not felt the love lately. So we need to change that. They're offering a new code to everyone. You can save 25% off your first purchase when you use the code DNVR25 over at Strava Craft Coffee. And not only do we love what Strava tastes like, and we pretty much run off coffee, but 
it's also CBD infused and that helps with so many ailments. It's different for everyone, but you can check out their reviews about people being blown away by how much the Strava Craft Coffee and CBD has helped them. And use the magical code DNVR25 for 25% off over at Strava Craft Coffee. That's StravaCoffee.com. Use the code DNVR25 to get 25% off. And then after you use that code, subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and you'll save 20% on every single order after that. And you can have it delivered straight to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whatever you prefer at that 20% off price. So please check out our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee. They love us and you will love their CBD infused coffee. Also check out our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company, which will give you that hassle-free meat life by delivering farm-to-table Wagyu beef straight to your door. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas and ships all over the USA right to your door. And they call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company will offer you Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef, bacon, Franks with no fillers, jerky flavors, including original and sweet and spicy. Their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love the beef, their con- the country loves their beef. They take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, which yields that very high prime product grown with zero antibiotic hormones. So check out HassleCattleCompany.com. It's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. Use that magical code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. Also, if you order $200 worth of beef, you're going to get free shipping. So you've got a freezer. There's room in the freezer for a couple of extra steaks, some extra ground beef. And you put it in there. And then you're sitting there and you, you're like, okay, I don't know what I've got. Maybe I don't know what I want to eat tonight. I don't know if there's anything in my, in my fridge. I'm going to have to go to the grocery store. But then you open the freezer and you realize, oh, because you got $200 worth of beef from Hassle Cattle Company and got free shipping, you're sitting there with a few extra New York strips in your freezer. So great. Pull them out, thaw them, throw them on the grill. You've got a world-class meal with quality Wagyu beef right there waiting for you in your freezer. So remember, 10% off using the code DMVR10 and get that order $200 and you can get free shipping. You know, they're the official steak of the World Food Championships. They provide 850 ribeyes for the Shed Steak Cook-Off, which gave them a book in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most ribeyes at an event. They just shipped 15,000 pounds of meat down to Purdue. And guess what? You're an NFL fan. You're listening to this podcast. A bunch of football players in the NFL order their beef from Hassle Cattle Company. So check out HassleCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. Use that magical code DMVR10 and get 10% off your order. All right, Mace, let's hop back into the comment section. Next one coming in from Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys. So you're right, Mace. We've had run, we have run out of teams. There's only one matchup we haven't examined <laughs> the Bucks and the Broncos. They've played each other 10 times in games that have been mostly competitive. What were the best in favor of each team? And can you come to an agreement on one game, regardless of the winner? Also, what is the best game against the NFC South? Or rather, whose final game was better overall, John Elway's or Peyton freaking Manning's? Oh, whose final game? Uh, uh, was better overall. That's that's John Elway's, right? I mean, yeah. Literally, the series M, the, the MVP of Super of Super Bowl thirty three, John Elway, to use RK's analogy, 
John Elway was the plane that day. Yeah. Yeah. Peyton Manning in Super Bowl 50 was the pilot. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But both great ways to go out. But yeah, you can't yes. argue uh, for Peyton in this one. All right, oh. Mace, I'm just going to turn it over to you. You are okay. the expert on uh, the Bucks. So what's the best Broncos Bucks game? All right. The best Broncos Bucks game. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about it from the yeah, from the Bucks perspective. Okay. Not as many there. Now, the easy thing would be to choose that 28-10 game last September. The Bucks dominated. But you know what? Yeah, Jeff Driscoll starting. It was a relatively empty stadium, only about 5,000 fans in the house. They wore the, the only uniform in their in their current repertoire that is ugly, which is the mono pewter uh, look. It's not their bet, not their best at all. So I've got to go with a game that those teams played back in 1993, the day after Christmas, the bucks, they come into the game four and 10, the Broncos are nine and five, the bucks terrible going on the road. And, and to that point, Zach, the Buccaneers had never won a game where the temperature was below 50 degrees. Can you believe that? Wow. So and they the, did it against the well, Broncos. No. Oh, here's what happened. Oh. The schedule comes out and you see Denver week 16. And at the time, me be or week 17, because it was an 18 week season that year, my bad. And so you're thinking Denver in December. Oh no. Well, I was in Florida. How little I knew about the climate of Colorado <laughs> because there's a decent chance you're going to get beautiful weather and game day comes the day after Christmas, or as they say in the Commonwealth, it's boxing day, 57 degrees and partly <laughs> sunny. <laughs> there you go. Bonus. It's, you know, you've got, you've got people on the buck sideline that are even wearing polo shirts because they're in the sun. It's nice and warm. It's a beautiful day for football. And so, you see 57 degrees. And even though the bucks are four and 10 and the Broncos are nine and five, you start thinking, well, maybe there's a chance here. And turned out there was Broncos take an early seven, nothing lead on a Reggie rivers touchdown run. But then the bucks led by Craig Erickson, you might be saying, Ooh, well, Craig Erickson that day, uh, probably his most memorable day, uh, not statistically speaking. He had a couple of touchdowns and a pick. He wasn't bad, uh, but not a great completion percentage, 14 of 30. But Erickson had the goods when it counted. He shakes off a Denver defender as in the pocket. It, it breaks free and finds Dave Moore near the pylon for a touchdown in the second quarter. We're tied at seven. Bucks take a halftime lead after a Michael Husted field goal. This was the game that you as a Bronco fan probably remember being a very bad day for Glenn Milburn a spectacular player on returns and occasionally on offense. Glenn Milburn had three fumbles that day. Oh, yikes. That's yes. Isaiah McKenzie territory. Yeah. Uh, probably you could say probably his worst day. I mean, there's, there's one uh, I remember in, in particular uh, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, I want to say it was in, it was in the third quarter in the second half. I'm actually able to, yep. They, 
yeah, he, he had a, he had three fumbles that day. And uh, also Cedric Tillman had a fumble uh, when the Broncos were driving in the fourth quarter, trying to overturn a 17, 10 deficit. But after all that, the Broncos got the ball back with just under three minutes left. And me as a Bucks fan, hold my breath. John Elway's about to beat the Bronco, the, the Bucks, right? No, no, he wow. doesn't. The drive falls short, stalls out at the Tampa Bay 20, 29 with back-to-back incompletions on third and six and fourth and six. And that was all she wrote. The Bucks escape with a 17-10 win. And for the Broncos, a crucial loss. The next week they go out to L.A., lose to the Raiders in overtime. And then the following week, they have to go back to LA for a wild card game against the Raiders and get pounded. It was you. And then they start the next year on a four game losing streak. This was the start Zach of a seven game losing streak across two seasons for the Broncos, which really led to the demise of Wade Phillips as the, as head coach and eventually led to Mike Shanahan coming in. So wow. that's the best bucks one. It's, you know, <laughs> uh, my friend, Andy Lindahl has a great story about that. He said day before on Christmas, he got a Steve Atwater jersey and then he wore it for the game the next day. And he thought the Jersey was jinxed <laughs> because the bucks the dog ass bucks beat the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, so. the four and ten bucks. Oh man, oh. that's a that's a brutal one for the Broncos, Mason. I'm I'm yeah. uh, not shocked, however, that you didn't go with a uh, a rainy game in Tampa Bay in 2016 or 2017, 16, 16. Uh, what? That might be the best one for the for the Broncos, but uh, no way the, because it it had Trevor uh, Simeon and Paxton Lynch play. No way, that's the best one. Okay, I, I'm actually going to go with another game, and it's act. It was actually the first game they played way back in 1976. Bucks Broncos, of course. The Bucks for a year were a member of the AFC West when they started their history. They were an AFC West team, but they were only a team like that in terms of the standings. What happened was the expansion teams, Seattle and Tampa Bay, in their first two years, they the NFL wanted to have them play everybody. So in 1976, the Bucks were an AFC team, played every other AFC team, plus Seattle, which at the time was an NFC team. In 1977, they flipped. And then Seattle played the entire AFC and the Broncos played the entire NFC. So for this season, the Bucs were an AFC West team and the Bucs come in winless. They were on their, of course, they were on their way to an 0-16 mark. They're 0-8 coming to Mile High Stadium. Shockingly, the Bucs lead 13-10 in the third quarter and sphincters are getting tight throughout the mountain time zone. Oh my God, are we going to lose at home to an expansion team? Well, no. At that point, the Broncos dropped the hammer. Steve Ramsey to Haven Moses for 71 yards puts the Broncos in front to stay. In the second half, Zach, well, af- in the second half, the Broncos outscored the Bucs 38-3. And because the Bucs got their three to start the second half, It was 38 unanswered points to close this game, including three touchdowns by the Orange Crush defense, which in the back half of the 1976 season was really starting to become the Orange Crush and dominate. And uh, uh, after the game, it was kind of ugly. 
there's some history between John McKay and John Ralston, the coaches in that game, going back to when they were in the old Pacific eight conference. And uh, you had John McKay accusing John Ralston of running up the score. It was, it was pretty ugly. And also another funny, fun fact about that game, the Bucks buses left their owner, Hugh Culverhouse at the stadium. Oh, yikes. Oh, yes. man. That seems like an issue. <laughs> yes. So well, a lot went wrong uh, uh, for the for the Bucks that year, including that day. But there was a moment early in the third quarter where the Bucks thought this might be the day. But then the orange <laughs> crush and then and Haven Moses on the offensive side said, no. not on our watch (laughs) and there we go we've wrapped up the entire nfl thanks for that series mark it snatch next one coming in from dan burke hey guys i don't know if any of y'all saw the piece in the athletic yesterday about the front office toxicity over there in philly but it definitely puts the broncos situation in a favorable light to me it's weird to say but i think having no owner is better than having an owner like jeffrey lurie or lurie at We all know about Howie and his shortcomings, but the article highlighted just how much input that Jeffrey had and how much he belittled Doug Peterson and never showed him the respect he deserved. And this continued after he won the Super Bowl. I've mentioned a few times that the Broncos should make Doug the next head coach. I like Vic a lot and think he's a good coach, but I'd go as far as to say that I'd fire him right now and bring Doug in. I really believe that he's going to rebound in his next spot. Ownership with the Broncos is still in flux, which might not be a bad thing from Doug's point of view. And by all accounts, George Payton is someone who treats everyone with respect and values their input. So I think the Broncos make a lot of sense as a landing spot. What do you think, Danberg? Any any way Danberg can find a way to get Doug Peterson here, he's going yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, every GM carries around a list of potential coaches. Yeah. You know, or maybe metaphorically they carry it around. It's in their minds, but every GM's always got a list of three to five potential coaches, just like every athletic director in college uh, at a major, a, a major conference always has a list of, of potential men's basketball coaches, women's basketball coaches, football coaches, et cetera. Uh, that's just part of it. And I would say that if you are a GM with that list in your mind, of where you turn to if you have to have a coaching search, Doug Peterson should be very high. And honestly, Dan, I think Vic Fangio is going to do a lot better this year. And I, whether it's worthy of him staying, I think he's probably got to go at least eight and nine at minimum, probably nine and eight uh, to be in good standing for 2022. But if they moved on, I think Doug Peterson's a name that's at the top of the list. I would, uh, another guy I'd put at, High on the list be Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator down in Tampa Bay, uh, and Bru- and uh, Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator with the Bucks as well. I think uh, if I had to make a coach hire, coaching hire next year, I think my list starts with those three guys. Yeah, and, and I think that Doug Peterson is going to be the top of so many people's mm-hmm. list, Mace. Yeah, next year, especially if the Eagles collapse this year. And Zach, I think the Eagles are have have a chance to have the worst record in football. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah that that could that could crash hard this year yeah it really couldn't you're right that just drives doug peterson stock up uh-huh i mean look at the jets after they fired todd Bowles. what have they done since i think it makes todd Bowles look better <laughs> exactly it certainly does next one from von miller's chicken farm howdy gents trade juan james in a fifth for teddy bridgewater thoughts thanks for the pot as always and thanks for tuning in von miller's chicken farm 
Ooh, the exchange of bad contracts. <laughs> I think this would be a steal for the, oh gosh, I don't, I was going to say a steal for the Broncos, but you're right. That would mean you're taking what? 20 million this year for Teddy. It would, but uh, remember that uh, you'd be getting what? $13 million off your cap, right? You'd, you'd still have some dead money because of what's left of the, uh, of the signing bonus. But uh, if you, yeah, if you, if you trade a, if you trade, if you trade Juwan James, you've basically you've got the debt, you've got the dead money on what in terms of what's left uh, on the contract, but then uh, you've you've got a savings. So like, if you cut Juwan James today, right now, uh, it would basically take his cap hit from thirteen million to nineteen million because of uh, the fact that his salary for this year is guaranteed, and he's got nine million dollars left on the bonus. You trade him. That guaranteed salary goes to the Panthers. You're still left holding the bag on nine million dollars, but you're out from ten million. Frankly, mm. Zach, I think this would make some sense. Would it make sense for Carolina, though? Mm, and that's the thing. You got it takes two to tango, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you'd get you'd get some salary relief, and of course, the the Panthers would the, the fact the Panthers are taking on Juwan James who has little value is why you'd be sending them a fifth round pick and not simply uh, just having it be player for player here. I think it'd have to be even more than that because my first reaction to this and what I said right away was that'd be a steal for the Broncos. So, yeah, I think you'd have to give up a little more. And uh, man, you get Juwan James's contract off the books. And then if you're going Teddy Bridgewater, unless you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, Mace, then it would make a lot of sense to get Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater in the first round. Yeah, it would. It would. Or it would make sense to trade down and accumulate capital for next year. <laughs> it's true. In case you're looking for a quarterback next year. Ozzy wants the stash. QB class matters. The Broncos passed on Josh Allen and took Bradley Chubb in a good QB class in 2018, then took Drew Locke in 2019. That class hasn't shown much. Outside of Sam Howell, I don't see 2022 being a great class so far. This year's draft class has five QBs who will go in the first round. One or two will flame out, but this is what happens. My question is this. Are there five potential first-round quarterbacks next year? I don't see it, so the trade down to get a first to get one next year is a risky way to go. Pick nine is higher than we will be next year, in my opinion going to cost more to move up for a quarterback next year. If you choose to push it back and roll the dice on Drew, you risk missing out on a great draft class to draft out of desperation next year. I, for one, am not keen to take that gamble. Keeping Drew and not drafting a QB is as risky as taking a shot on one of the five. Where do my boys stand? You know what? I don't want to speak for Zach, but I think he kind of hit on a lot of points we've been making lately. I think uh, we're kind of in lockstep with you on this. Ah, lockstep. I see what you did there, Mason. That was unintentional. I'm sorry. <laughs> you weren't locked in on that one? No, I wasn't. That was uh, that was no pun intended. It came out that way. Maybe subconsciously, but not consciously. Right. No, but Mason, I agree with you. I'm I'm also locked in with you being with him as well. Um, it's man, if you really are where you think you should be next year, you you're going to be 18, 22, somewhere pick them in between there. And I just think that's going to be so hard. Uh, and that's the way I'm viewing it for, for team like the Washington football team and the Chicago bears who's sitting there at 20 right now. I think it's so hard for them to make a jump to get one of these top quarterbacks. And there's five quarterbacks this year. I don't think there's going to be five quarterbacks next year. So it's just going to make that jump even mm-hmm. more difficult. 
That's why I think, man, you're in the best position possible right now, or not, not best position possible, but the best position you should be in, in many years, make the move now, do it, do it. Yeah. Next one coming in from Samuel Bisu. Hey guys, been loving the coverage and especially the three ring circus. You guys kill it. And I try to catch it live every time I can. Thank you. So thank you so much, Samuel. He says, question, why do people think that Peyton needs to trade right now to number four? Everything he has done so far, the thing that has made me most impressed with him is he has done no things in a rush. He lets everything unfold before making his move, just like with cornerback. If we'd have, if we'd have, if he would have have rushed and the second signing he wouldn't have gotten fuller i think he is taking or is talking to every team in front of nine to know what the right price is to move up and then in the draft if the player they like drops he will make his move i am beginning to trust him more and more not to the level of munchak but he is getting up there looking forward to fun season and hopefully a winning one well sort of kind of it's kind of what we were talking about right maybe you get all the info maybe you figure out what the 49ers are going to do before you act. And if the 49 and if the 49ers are in on Mac Jones and you're not, then maybe it works out for you. Maybe you figure out what the Cowboys are going to do as well. Do the cow, do the Cowboys make that move up? And if that's the case, then all of a sudden you might be looking at a scenario where five would well, maybe not even five, but pick six, pick seven allows you to get that guy. And, and then you start being in the conversation where you don't have to sacrifice a free, a future first round pick to move up. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I, I think, I think Sam, what you're saying is kind of, kind of right on here in terms of, in terms of letting it play out and, and see what happens, but there will come a point where you have to act. Mm-hmm. And we saw back in 2018, you know, yes, Sam Darnold did not work out with the jets, but, the Broncos were very interested in Sam Darnold, but then the Jets jumped them. So if you really want a guy, then sometimes you have to be a little bit aggressive. Now, it didn't work out for the Jets. A year or a year earlier, trading up worked out for the Chiefs when right. they went ahead and got and got Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And uh it, it was working out for the Texans with Deshaun Watson and then their trade up before all the stuff hit the fan. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. You're right. Mason. You can't, you can't really count on that. I mean, that's kind of beyond everyone's control. And something else I agree with Samuel about is George Payton is doing all of the homework. He's doing all of his due diligence to know exactly. So he's not going to be scrambling in the draft at all. I can guarantee that next one coming in from LDJ. He says, Hey guys, so what we do in the first and second round is so up in the air because of quarterback and trading up or trading down. So I'm curious, where would you say some of these guys go? All right, Mason, I'm going to throw some names your way. Tell me where you think they go. Pete Warner. Uh, I mean, I just looking at, looking at these, at these names, quite frankly, uh, I I don't think you're talking about any of these guys going in the first couple of rounds, Pete Warner, Alaric Jackson, Aaron Robinson, Brady Christensen, Tommy Tremble, Charles Snowden, Alaric Jackson, for example, I think he could be around six guy. The way, the the way he looks. I mean, this is, so most of these guys are day three guys. I'd say, I'd say late day two into day three. Okay. There you go. So the Broncos, even with round one and round two up in the air, they could still get some of those guys. Yeah. 
Next one coming in from VR, though. I don't think the Broncos are trading up. I think there's a possibility if Fields lands in our lap, we may take him. If you look at what Peyton offered for Stafford and what was considered too expensive for Darnold, he's been relatively cheap. That's a good thing, in my opinion. If Fields falls in our lap, I would still trade back because we'd be able to extract the maximum of a maximum amount of draft capital from some team. Excited to see how the draft plays out. He says, also, do you guys recall Brandon Lloyd being the NFL receiving yards leader in 2010? I remember him being good, but that is absolutely wild to me. Yeah, that was an absolutely monster year for Brandon Lloyd. He was catching everything in like a 10-foot radius. Yeah, I mean, the highlight reel of Brandon Lloyd that year in terms of just wow plays, maybe the greatest single-season highlight reel any Bronco has ever put together. Yeah, seriously. I mean, a lot of off-target plays that he was that he was able to reel in, of course, Kyle Orton and Tim Tebow were the quarterbacks. So, I mean, he kind of had to do do a little bit of work on his own. (laughs) One thing VR though, if the Broncos stood pat and fields fell to nine and they traded down, imagine a scenario where they trade down with a quarterback in their lap and that quarterback ends up doing well. Yeah. You think about like the worst, the worst long-term circumstance for the Broncos out of this draft. That's it. Yep. It is. It is. And that, and that would, sadly, that would be tattooed to George Payton until the quarterback conundrum was solved. Yeah, it would. You're absolutely right, Mace. So, yeah. And also, if Fields did drop to nine, I'm pretty confident in saying, I don't think there's any way the Broncos pass on him. He's the guy. Yeah. If he's there. If he's there at nine, I think they are sprinting to the podium with metaphorically speaking with a name on the card. I want to see, I want to see George Payton and John Elway, you know, card in hand sprinting to the podium together. That's what I want to see. You know what? Maybe just have John Elway do it as sort of his farewell. <laughs> yes. That would be awesome. You play, you play like the chariots of fire. Of music yes, and he's yes. Sprinting down. Oh, well, man, actually, that'd be great. What, what happens probably as drafts get back to normal, Zach, is uh, they probably bring in John Elway to do to, to read the pick every now and again. Ah, that'd be great. Broncos <laughs> yes. legend, former, you know, you get Alan Roach doing it in his voice. Uh, former GM, uh, all-time great court, me, quarterback, member of the NFL 100 Hall of Famer, John Elway. And then <laughs> he's, you know, he gets up there and uh, with the with the 40th pick in the 2024 NFL draft. That's a terrible Elway impression, but I'm not trying to do an Elway impression anyway. So <laughs> you'd say, first off, I'd like to start off, I think, in John Elway. <laughs> uh, I'd like to start uh, John, John Fox. Or uh, you just hope that uh, he would get the name right and not uh, have right. another case key some. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love, but yeah, I'd like to start by thanking John Hill. It's the that is the only time I've ever seen a press conference that was focused on a coach getting fired or otherwise shown the door that opened with the media laughing <laughs> because he said, "I'd like to start by thanking John Elwood." <laughs> That's just amazing! <laughs> oh my gosh, we all needed that moment. Oh, that was funny. That was so. next one coming in from the big t he says so who in here has been down the cottonwood mile not me do you know what it is no 
Yeah, I, I don't either. Big T, you're going to have to give us more context here. He goes on and says, so that Aussie guy is calling me out again. The reason why I haven't watched a full game of Trey Lance is because there is nothing in any highlight video that gets me excited about him. Not one throw. In fact, I asked that very question in my comment last week. Is there any point watching full games of a player when their highlights are lowlights? They are just all scrambles for rushes with no NFL caliber passes in any of the highlights. No reads, simple throws, and scrambles against other Missouri Valley schools. And he's being talked about in the first round. It is crazy. And I wasn't nearly as negative about Wilson. He could be a decent player, same as Mac Jones. Lance is a joke. Signed the big T. Whoo, man, the big T is certainly not mincing his words to when it comes to Trey Lance. That's for sure. I mean, I'm I'm just look I'm looking at a highlight film right now and I'm seeing some great throws. <laughs> Maybe we need to drop that in the comments for Big T to look I'm, at. I'm, I'm seeing him roll out. I'm seeing him roll out, keep his eyes downfield. I'm seeing uh, deep shots with a lot of velocity. He's able to, 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 to spray the ball all over the field. He's throwing to the outside. He's throwing to the outside shoulder on deep passes. Uh, he's hitting his receivers in stride. He's shaking, you know, he's shaking off pass rushers. He's, He's showing good feet. He's showing good feel for the rush and escapability. I mean, yeah, I know it's you're saying it's against Missouri, the Missouri Valley, but he's showing all the traits that you want to see. <laughs> the big, the big T just isn't seeing it, Mace. I guess. <laughs> I, I, he, I guess he's not. I guess uh, you know what? There's there's somebody out there on Twitter who says that obviously I see something in I see something in Drew Locke and you don't, you know, I mean, right, right. that's fine. That's just, that's how these things are, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Some team's going to take him in the first and we'll see. Yeah. Um, is he a projection? Yes. Is because of only one year as a starter, does he have high bust potential? Yes. I mean, you, you usually like to see a guy do it for two or three years. It's the old Bill Parcells rule. There's there's still a lot there. Still yeah. a lot there. Yeah. The next one coming in from some people call me the space cowboy. This is a public service announcement. After the news of Drew Locke watching film with Peyton Manning, the Denver Broncos have officially entered into the off-season trope season. Is that how you say it, Mace? Uh yeah, off-season uh yeah, because he's going going for trope, not a troop, even though I think it's spelled in this instance T R O P E. Okay, and uh, the way it was spelled here is T R O U P, which is a troop, like a a troop of circus performers. So off season trope, I, I got off, it right. I, I think cow, space cowboy means off season trope. Okay, off season yes. trope season. He says that that's got a good ring to it. He says, please it be does. on the lookout for some common tropes, like X player is in the best shape of his life. Second year, second year player feels the game has started to slow down for them. X player has changed up their diet in the off season to get their game up. That is all. You are so oh, right. Some right. people call me the space cowboy. I mean, we're going to hear that. And uh, we're going to hear that all off season. You know, there are many reasons why I left the, the Broncos from my years working on the official site. One of them, Zach, was the fact that all this stuff that space cowboy mentions when you work on a team site, you have to take it all at face value. And after a while, you start realizing you hear the same stuff year after year after year after year. And that's why 
it's, you know, you can say all these things, you can do all these things. It's ultimately about what you do when it counts. That's why, hey, it's good that Drew Locke is talking to Peyton Manning and, and, and working with him. Drew has, but the thing is, Drew has always shown the ability and the willingness to, to do whatever it takes to get better. But all of it doesn't mean diddly poo. Hat tip to Jim Mora. Doesn't mean diddly poo unless you go out there and show it on Sundays and it translates into better performance. And that I admit that is me being on the NFL beat for a long time. That is, that is now heading into my 23rd season, doing something, doing something media wise or team wise related to the NFL. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. And I, the, the off season stuff leaves me a little cold and hollow just because it's, it's been done. You got you to show me on Sundays. Yeah, it's happened every single year, and it will continue to happen yes. every single year. I and- have... I have a lot of skepticism on stuff like this. I just do. Yes, me too. And last one coming in from Northwoods Bronco. My people, first time commenter from Maine, but been with y'all since the BSN days. And damn, you guys know how to make a podcast. Oh, this just makes my day. Keep me sane during my commute every day. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Northwood Bronco. Mm-hmm. We got them. Thank you for joining our family. Thank you for saying hello. And thank you for listening all of these years. Love goes- having you aboard yes absolutely you you prince of maine you king of new england (laughs) he says to the broncos how come future first round picks are talked about as they are all the same for example next year's first round for to say the bears or the football team i would venture to guess will be higher than say new england's pick is this considered when looking at a trade partner like damn you get that pick for moving back 11 spots and it could realistically be a top five pick the general talk the other day was well you get a next year's first but we still need to package it with your own to move up anywhere close i know it can work i watched my celtics absolutely fleece the nets years ago that being said it seems like the prudent thing to do would be to move back take that lottery ticket for next year and hope to goodness drew is the answer if he isn't you should have enough capital to to pursue a top guy or rogers cheers northwoods yeah i mean the aaron rogers possibility is out there even though he'd be what 38 then i mean he'd be hosting jeopardy age by then yeah <laughs> i just want to get this thing right long term and yeah. Again, I mean, the interesting thing, let's say you trade down, but you trade down to a team that is going to pick a quarterback. The quarterback is the guy that can have the most profound impact on a team moving up. I mean, if you gave, look, I don't want to give the Patriots the guy or someone they believe can be the guy at quarterback. I, I, I just, I don't. And I, I did that in a couple of mock drafts and people said, oh, I don't want to give the Patriots that guy. I wouldn't. If the Patriots want to move up for a quarterback, to be honest with you, I'm taking that. I'm taking that quarterback if, if, if at all possible, and making sure they don't get him. I love it because if they because that is the kind that's the kind of thing that would turn the Patriots from you know a team that's picking 15 to a team that's picking 25 or 26. Don't forget the Patriots also getting an awful lot back on defense as well, even though they're losing uh, Julian Edelman. Of course, the Patriots should be better regardless. So this, this does matter, but similarly, if you trade, if, if it's the bears that move up and they want a quarterback, then that's the type of guy that's going to make them better immediately. So that's the one thing you think about if, if, if you're trading down from nine, but that team is moving up for a quarterback, I, I think I'm not sure that you do that. 
if you're the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if there's a quarterback there at nine, I'm not passing on him. That is for sure. And it's, it's a good point. Northwood Bronco. They do take into consideration what they think that team's draft pick will be next year. So yes, a, uh, a, a draft pick from the bears. If you think they're going to be bad, which probably do is going to be better and more valuable than new England's draft pick for next year. So that definitely is something that is taken into consideration and something that George Payton, will take into consideration but saying that mace just like you said if there's a quarterback there at nine i'm taking him instead of trading back because that is a quarterback in your hand not one that you have to hope lands in your hand next year so man i absolutely love this conversation before we get out of here got to tell you guys about our friends over at green mountain dental you guys know the drill they are part of our family they're over at the dnvr bar we're over at green mountain dental getting our teeth taken care of they are part of our family and they will treat you like family if if you go and check them out over at Green Mountain Dental, they'll call you and follow up to see how you're doing. They'll send you thank you notes and birthday cards, just like a family member would. So please make sure to check them out. They're a longtime DNVR partner. They showed us the love. So make sure to show them the love and they'll give you something to show that to show you the love. If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental. That's all you have to do is take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental to hand over a free Sonicare care toothbrush so check them out they're only a 15 minute drive from downtown denver check them out at green mountain dental well mace that'll do it for us today thank you all so much for tuning in it's been another blast we are just two weeks away from nfl draft starting and we can't wait to roll with you up to then through then and after then as well thank you so much for tuning in for andrew mason i'm zach stevens have a terrific tuesday and pleasure horse take us out Roll out the truck and took a country drive Now understand that you need some time I know some landmarks we used to hit We're flying cotton
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.